If you're a fan of It's That Episode and you're in New York City, come join me on Sunday, January 13th at 6.30 p.m. at The Pit. As part of the New York City Podfest, I'll be having three incredible guests. I've got Anthony Antamnik from 30 Rock and also from the improv group Death by Ruru. Also, how about Alana Glazer from the hit web series and Comedy Central pilot Broad City? If that's not enough for you, we've got Kevin Allison from The State and from The Risk Podcast, and he'll be showing a sketch from The State. He'll be talking about it. We're going to have a blast this Sunday, January 13th at the New York City Podfest at The Pit. Be there. Also, this episode of It's That Episode is sponsored by Audible.com. Go to audible.com backslash Craig Rowan, C-R-A-I-G-R-O-W-I-N, and get a free audio download on me. Let's get to that episode. I hit that episode. Well, it's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the show where I invite a guest over to my apartment to watch any TV show they choose, and we watch it, and we talk about it, and we talk about a bunch of other crap. Today, my very special guest is Matt Fisher, who you might know from the uh, improv group The Law Firm. That's probably what you know. If you live in or near the theater where Law Firm performs with Craig Rowan, then you probably know that. Or you know him from the TV show 30 Rock. You got a goddamn TV, because that's where that happens. Or you might know him from the BS of A on The Blaze. Uh, that would be very, very special if that's where you knew him from. And if you do, you know him and you love him. Thank you. How's well, it going? Welcome, Matt. How, it's going pretty well. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be in your house. N- new place? Looks pretty great. Thank you very much. I got robbed in the old place, and now we're in another place. <laughs> Making lemonade. Um, actually, I re- was re-listened to like... Uh, a part of my podcast from like right before the robbery and I'm talking about like how hot how there were problems with the screens and like how hot it was and that sort of played a part in my robbery do you uh, did the robber do you think people were futzing with your screens no I think that potentially the management company robbed us (laughs) (laughs) or in or in cahoots with a construction site across the street but I've got many yikes many um, conspiracy theories what if you had recorded what if you got robbed while you were recording and you needed to use the recording as evidence and you needed I'd to determine the killer? Say that would go viral, big time. <laughs> um, I'm excited uh, for you to be here, Matt, for many reasons because uh, we're friends. I respect your uh, pop culture knowledge. Oh, thank you. And also because I feel like this is this is my first episode of the new year, and I think it's very appropriate what show you've chosen to watch because of the new year. Because of the marathon, because yeah, that's right. This is probably fresh in people's minds because they show episodes of this show, The Twilight Zone. Yes, spoiler li- alert. Like it's their job uh, on New Year's. Yes, um, in fact, that's how I fell in love with the show. I, they used to, I, they may still do it on like network, like local networks in Connecticut, like Channel Eleven, sort of the non, not like ABC it was like a random kind of affiliate. They would do the New Year's or the Fourth of July marathon, and I would set up the t- the VCR to tape. I would go to bed and I would just like let it run and see what Twilight Zone showed overnight. Yeah, well, we I I watch at least a couple episodes every year. I watched some this year on Sci-Fi. It was this year. It used to be on WPIX eleven, I believe, back in the day in New yeah. York. And uh, it's a classic show, great show, 
from what, 1959 to 1963, something like yep, that? Yep, five seasons, yeah, so maybe 64. Don't, c- come on. Listen, I'm here to rep for The Twilight Zone. <laughs> uh, later I'll perform the song, The Twilight Zone. Ooh. Not the theme song, that dance song that from the early 90s where it was like, you're in the Twilight Zone. I don't remember that song. That's as close as we'll get to a performance of it. Um, who sang that song? Couldn't even tell you. Just random boomboxes. You're around. in the twilight zone. Things you on your own. That sounds good to me. <laughs> I got a little bit more out of him. Um, so why don't you tell me what uh, what episode of the Twilight Zone did you decide to watch today? Well, it was really hard. I was looking at the list of episodes, and because we're all kind of like marathon viewers, you kind of have a vague knowledge of a lot of different episodes yes. of the Twilight Zone. And it's also hard to choose because no two episodes of the Twilight Zone have anything to do with one another. Although a huge proportion of them are about astronauts that get shot into space and then they end up on a planet that's either exactly like Earth or the opposite of Earth. Or, or they end up not existing at the end. Right, right. Which exactly. is one that I watched. There are three astronauts in the fan. They don't exist. I liked it. Yeah. Um, so, and also, and this is something we'll probably talk about is the there are episodes where they tried really hard and they're sort of like political allegories and fun things. And then there are ones where just like an old lady in a cabin... Like a tiny alien, yes. she chases it around the cabin with an axe. Yes, yep, that's I know that one too. And what I've learned from watching uh, Twilight Zone is every time I watch another Twilight Zone, I'm like, oh, that was the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Like right, every right. like, I know that a lot of the, most of the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors are based on something. But over the years now, I've learned more and more. Like, I watched one this year that I had never seen before. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the one. Remember when Homer goes 3D? Oh, yeah. That was, I think, based on the one where the little girl gets lost in another oh, dimension right. in her yeah, room. Yeah. And I had never seen that one until this week. Oh, that's interesting. That's one that I really like because, you know, they, the Twilight Zone has a reputation for having a twist at the end yes. that kind of explains everything. And to me, having seen a lot of them, my favorite ones are the ones that are that stay weird. Yes. Like the one where the girl gets trapped in the wall. There's no explaining your way out of that. That's yeah. just a weird thing to show on TV. My favorite part is that the, the, there's the, basically the girl goes to bed and, and then she's like, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And then he, he the dad runs into the room and she's not there. He can just hear her echoey voice. And it turns out there's like a, another dimension in the wall. But he calls his physicist friend right. to come over right. and he he has a piece of chalk and starts drawing on the wall <laughs> like who has a physicist friend and why like, does oh physicist- I've seen this before wait you have a wall wormhole it's a good thing I have chalk on me because right. I'll easily show you it's very strange <laughs> there's another one of all the ones where planes come and go and weird things happen uh, which is like a subset of the spaceship episodes there's another weird one where a spa- uh, plane lands at an airfield and they and no one's on it, and they never figure out why. Ooh! And the whole time you're like, oh, I wonder if it's from another time or if everyone on disappeared. And they never. And at the end, they're like, well, that's just weird. <laughs> Maybe they're just like there was one more page of the script, and they just forgot about they it. Ran and out of time. They didn't shoot it. <laughs> like, eh, whatever. Nobody will. Nobody will be talking about this fifty years later. Right. 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 Um, so what episode did you uh, choose? So, well, I figured that the corny ones that we can just reference like we just did. And so I was choosing between two. And the one that I didn't choose was called Last Night of a Jockey, where Mickey Rooney plays a jockey who's been accused of cheating. And he, the first two-thirds of the episode, he is desperately on the phone trying to save his career. And then he begs to be big. And then the end of the episode is they build a tiny little hotel room set 
and Mickey Rooney it, like trashes it. Oh my god, it's pretty amazing. But there's nothing more to it than that. So I think we might have to watch our episode that we're going to watch, and then just just watch the end, just of watch that. end of that episode because <laughs> that sounds phenomenal. Um, but the one that I chose is called The Shelter. Yes, which uh, it was from one of the early seasons. Uh, I think. Well, we decided it was from season three, and this is one of those ones where. It's about nuclear paranoia and stuff, and it, it kind of in the way, and this is something that's true of all Twilight Zones, you kind of have to put yourself in the time of, A, people were paranoid about communists and nuclear war, and also, like, this was up again. This came on after, like, the Lucy and Desi show and things like that, so, you know, things that people can't be shocked anymore. Like, it's impossible to... You cannot you shock cannot, People don't care. They just have sex in the streets. But the time... I think all these episodes were way weirder than we give them credit for. Because yeah. why would like a family, why would Beaver sit down and watch a girl disappear into a wall? Yeah. So this one is uh, real nervy and sweaty. A lot of people yelling at each other. Yes, I've seen this episode. I'm excited to watch it again. It's, uh, yeah, like when you put it into that context, it's got to be scary. Like, I mean, yeah. people were, this is when kids were doing the duck and cover at school. Yeah. This is the turtle. Or wasn't that a song or something? The t- where you save yourself by acting like a turtle? Yes. I've never heard of that. That's amazing. I'm not going to look it up, and I won't sure. confirm it. And True. If you find it, you don't need to send it to me. Uh, I might be right. I might be wrong. But um, <laughs> I might have just made that up, and then I'm even smarter. It might be just a dance that's not related to nuclear destruction. Yeah, exactly. It might be from the 1990s by the same artist who did The Twilight Zone. Could be. Uh, but um, when you put it in that context, yeah, it must be crazy. I mean, it's sort of like... I've mentioned Homeland a couple times in this podcast in passing because I've been watching it recently. Did yeah. you watch Homeland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different because it's not – but it, it, that it's not like um, – no, there's scary moments. There's oh, yeah, moments. Yeah, yeah. And it's but, based on things that people are scared of right now. now. Yeah. Exactly. So when after you watch it, you're like, oh, my God. Like there probably are elements of this that things – not the same things, but – this exists right. in a reality that does exist. Like yeah. there are corollaries to this. So I think a lot of uh, Doctor Strange Love too, where Doctor Strange Love, the comedy of it is still funny, but it's weird to think that that's t- like at the time people thought they were about to yeah. die that that would happen. There's another movie like Doctor Strange Love called Red Alert. Uh, uh, Failsafe. Failsafe. Yeah. Yes. That's this basically the same plot, right. but not a but comedy. Straight, yeah. And it's awesome yeah. too. And they hey. redid that. It was like a play for TV in at the time. And then I feel like a couple of years ago, George Clooney, they did like a weird staging for TV oh, of it, like a re like a reenactment of it. Sounds bad. Anyway, look it up and don't tell us. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So why don't we check out uh, the shelter? Yeah. And uh, anything uh, we should look out for in this episode? Um. I was one of my favorite episodes I haven't seen in a long time. And sad to say, one of the things that sticks out in my mind is that it's a bunch of suburban sort of 50s white people. But they have some like conspicuously Hispanic friends, which to me in the early 60s is like is especially strange. And I think that's part of why they all end up hating each other. Right. Well, look, also, you should mention that uh, Fisher, you're racist. Right, right, right. That'll play into it. That will play into the commentary afterwards. So if you hear a lot of like. Racial. It was hard for me to find a Twilight Zone with a Hispanic guy in it, but I think it's really going to pay off. (laughs) All right, so let's check it out. Why don't we get some kind of battering ram? Yeah, we could go over to Bennett Avenue. Phil Klein has some heavy pipe in his basement. I've seen it. No, no. That would get him into the act, too. And who cares about saving him? No, no. 
If we do that, we let all those people know that we have a shelter on our street. We'd have a whole mob to contend with, a whole bunch of strangers. Sure, and what right have they got to come over here? This isn't their street. This isn't their shelter. Oh, oh this is our shelter, huh? And on the next street, that's another country. Patronize home industries. You idiots, you fools, you're insane, all of you. Maybe you don't want to live, Jerry. Maybe you don't care. I care. Believe me, I care. I want to see the morning sun come up, too. But you're acting like a mob, and a mob doesn't have any brains. You're proving it by what you're doing. I say, let's get that battering ram, and we'll tell Klein to keep his mouth shut as to why we want it. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I agree with Jerry. We should stop and think a minute. Nobody, no, nobody no, cares what you think, you or no, your kind. No, I, I thought I made it clear upstairs. Yes, but I think that Jerry I still think, has I something. think, I think the first order of business is to get you out of here. Let's get that battering ram and break down that door. You've had your chance, Stockton. Remember that. You've had your chance. Those people. Those people are our neighbors. Our friends. The people we've lived with and alongside for 20 years. Come on, Polly. We better get up some of this furniture in this bunk so we'll have some protection in case that door goes through. A reminder to check out audible.com. Get a free download on me if you go to audible.com backslash Craig Rowan. And uh, they got a lot of Twilight Zone stuff. They've got the Twilight Zone Companion. Second edition. The first, forget it. Get it updated. Get an audiobook of the Twilight Zone Companion Second Edition. And they also have this really cool thing. They've got a bunch of radio dramas of the Twilight Zone, which sound really cool. So go check that out. Go to audible.com backslash Craig Rowan. Get a free download. Get a free month. Have fun. Do whatever you want. Just have a good time. All right, let's get back to the episode. What do Matt and I think about Twilight Zone? All right, we just watched uh, The Shelter. Yeah. And then we watched the uh, the end of, uh, what was it called? <laughs> uh, Last Night of a Jockey. Last Night of a Jockey. Um, the Shelter holds up. Yeah, it. Uh, I was thinking during it that like the way it kind of talks about how people lose their character when the nation is like under under attack. Mm-hmm. When people get stressed out, they're at their worst, and it really sort of speaks to maybe the political situation today. And on that note, have a great week. <laughs> um, yeah, Love well, somebody. it's actually really funny you say it because uh, I was actually th- there's a speech in the episode that really reminded me directly of a scene from uh, The Walking Dead. Oh, interesting. I, don't, I actually Dead? don't watch The Walking Dead. Um, let's give, so let's give a little bit of a synopsis of the episode, then I'll explain what I mean when we come back with the synopsis. <laughs> uh, so basically what happens is they're having a dinner party at a at a suburb. It's a suburban dinner party for a birthday. It's a birthday party for the ten- for the street's doctor. The doctor of the street, which used to be a thing, I guess. And all your neighbors used to come over to your house for your birthday party. <laughs> and uh, Which is weird. Because nowadays you just go on the internet for your birthday, <laughs> um, and uh, and everybody's saluting him and saying happy birthday, and then they sort of are j- 
jibing him a little bit because he has been building a shelter in his basement. Yeah, and but it's all part of this kind of like ribbing Joshy situation where they're all they couldn't be closer, or better friends. Yes, we're best friends. Even Every, the immigrant guy. Even the immigrant guy who uh, is great. <laughs> Until later, um, and then. The sun comes in while they're partying and explains that there's been an announcement on the radio that something's going on, an emergency is happening. They listen, and there are UFOs in the sky that think it's going to be a bomb. Yeah, they assume there's like a nuclear attack is about to hit. It's a nuclear attack, and they're outside of New York City, and it's going to hit sort of within the next – very soon. Half hour, yeah, yeah. So they all rush out of the house, and uh, the main character's family – Starts prepping the the bomb shelter in the basement. Yeah, they collect a bunch of water, collect water, get the tools, get some books, and then <laughs> get some books, get some tunes, get their iPads, fluff all the pillows, exactly. And uh, when they're comfortably in there, or when they're about to be in there, uh, that's when the neighbors start coming in and being like, "None of us have bomb shelters. We don't have bomb shelters. We were we weren't prepared. Please let us in." Right. And he says, no, I'm sorry. You should have done it. I, I told all you guys, yeah, prepare. Yeah. You didn't. I can't help you. You can say my basement, but you can't get in the shelter. And then basically all the neighbors become a mob and start breaking down yeah, his they, door. Yeah, the first guy just comes by uh, by his lonesome and he's like, they turned our water off. Did they turn your water off? And But everyone else just brings their whole family packed to go. Yes. To like show up and like they're just going to like talk their way into the shelter. And the and the father of the family is like, listen, the the shelter is only built for three people. There's only air purifier enough for three people. Every food, everything is only for three people. And they end up being a mob. And then at the end, they break through the door of the shelter. And spoiler alert: <laughs> if you haven't seen this, it's over six years old. Uh, <laughs> an announcement comes on right timing. right as they're getting through the door that says that the UFOs were satellites and there is not an attack. And then the mob sort of sheepishly, they all start to like, they're all like, oh, oh, man. Yeah, and the guy who's very racist to uh, the immigrant, uh, who he said, uh, foreigners like you, he said, we don't like your kind while they were in a mob. And he's like, yeah, you know, sorry, man. And the immigrant guy kind of takes it pretty well. He, he took everything. pretty. I was like, that character is flawed because he gets punched in the face for being a foreigner. <laughs> And he doesn't he'd say hang, anything. He's right in there. Like he did. He just hits the sort of hits the stairs and just sort of like takes it. He doesn't even go like no stop. He doesn't yeah. even say like not even fighting back in terms of like the racism, but right. nothing right. like even defending himself just from being punched. Yes, exactly. Right. So and everyone else is like, well, we punched the we punched the Mexican guy. Like, come on, get 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 used to it. Yeah, this is post. This it's is a stressful time. Post apocalypse. And, yeah, and. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's great. And then the the guy at the end gives a speech. They're like, "We'll fix your door. Everything's going to go back to normal." And he goes, "I don't know if it ever will." Yeah, we broke something; it can't be fixed. Yeah, he goes, "How can we save us?" And then I think Rod Serling at the end says something about we can't save a civilization unless we're civilized. That's right. You got to be. You have to have. You have to be something worth saving. Um, but it's a great episode. But there was a part where the wife is. Like, why should we even survive? Maybe we should yeah. just end it. That's like the darkest. Of, if if I put myself in 1960 or 1961, 
that would be the part that creeped me out the most where she was like why should we survive in this bomb shelter just to go up and look at a bunch of dead bodies maybe we should just die with everyone else and then they hear the kid's voice upstairs and goes that's why we gotta survive that's a why he doesn't have that voice that's but the Chicago way. yes uh, very uh, raggedy Andy I don't know I don't know what that is I don't know what raggedy Andy refers Man, to raggedy Andy you gotta stop smoking <laughs> um, but that dial that's direct I mean Walking Dead yeah what's the what happens in the Walking Dead I think it's in the second season and the wife is about to is gonna have a baby and I think she's gonna have an abortion and they have basically the same exact conversation like why should there a child grow up in this thing and then and then like the dad sees like they're already they already have a son and he's like look at that Boy, we got I'm a raggedy. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's that's so why. <laughs> but uh, but I, then I got me thinking that Walking Dead is sort of the same. Right. It's like, basically this episode prolonged in a post apocalypse. Like how would people treat each other if it all went to hell? Like what, what would people maintain about how they behave? Exactly. How would people go south? Yeah, it's all about under the surface, what exists under the surface. Nice. And that's, I mean, Rod Serling. Way ahead of the game. What's that guy's deal? Do you know much about Rod Serling? Yeah, he um, he was like a playwright, and a, he worked in television a little bit, and um, he had already won Emmys for things that he had written, sort of like one-off things. And then, from what I understand, immediately before The Twilight Zone, he tried to do a show about politics, and I want to say it's called Nations, but that's not, that's the political show that showed also on NBS on... Uh, on Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. So that's, that's not the name. It's not Nations, but it was something like that. I forgot about that. <laughs> and, um, he, uh, and they wouldn't let him because any political thing, they wouldn't let him talk about. And this was much more like the sponsor would just be like, no, you can't, you just, you can't do any of these episodes. To the point where I was reading about how he had written things where if the sponsor made, made lighters and there was a line where somebody asked for a match, it would just get cut out. Like, that's how intrusive it was. So he wanted to try and find a way to have politically, like, politically-minded TV, but wrapped up in science fiction or, like, weird stories, but that all had kind of, like, a lesson to them. It's great. I mean, it's awesome, too, because not only is he, he's, like, sort of the host of the show. Yeah. And he looks awesome. And then he writes most of the episodes. Yeah. And he's just like the. It's just cool. It's like his. It's like his deal. And it's. I think it's especially maybe when I was little. That's what draws you in. Is like this guy made the show, and then he stands and he's like, "Hey, this is my show." Yeah. And he stands on the set. He's always like in the same space. Yeah, as there's the like characters. a little whip pan. And they then... whip around, and he's there with a cigarette, and he's like, "We're in the home of a real perv. Wait and see what happens." <laughs> I'm also a perv because I'm watching. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's pretty. Did you know? I'm sure you know this because I know you're a big fan of the Twilight Zone. But he, I don't know if he wrote the final draft, but he wrote. He was a writer on uh, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he might have had like the original adaptation. I think it might have been a novel, and he adapted it. Right. I think he probably gave the twist ending. I mean, he's yeah. King. I mean, he's that's that, he's, classic Serling. He's like the good M Night Shyamalan. Exactly. Because he's not an immigrant. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Let, frankly, come on. Um, yeah, and one of the things that I noticed um, that happens in this, I mean, all the all the episodes are different, but one thing that this has in common with a lot of other Twilight Zones is people's wives tend to be terrible. Uh-huh. As soon as the other guys start coming down to try and get in the bomb shelter, usually one of the guys standing at the shelter guy's front door 
and the husband kind of doesn't want to go down. He's like, I don't know about this. And the wife is like, you get down there and you <laughs> tell him. And so many Twilight Zones revolve around like ad execs whose wife is terrible to them. Right. One that I really like is Next Stop at Willoughby, where an ad exec has a terrible wife. And every night on the train home from work, he falls asleep and dreams that the train takes him to like the 1880s. What? And like kids are just like playing with sticks and stuff. And he thinks it's a better life. And then one time he never wakes up, and it turns out that he died on the train and that the funeral home is called Willoughby. Oh. Willoughby Brothers. And that's all because he hates his wife, <laughs> which I guess speaks to the times. Um, yeah, I, I – uh, yeah, there definitely are some tropes to episodes. Like we were watching the classic uh, Ugly Face one. Oh, right, right, right. I don't know what that one's called, but – I the Beholder. I have the beholder, but it's the one where uh, a woman's worried about she was in an accident or something. They had to do facial reconstructive surgery, and she's in bed the whole time. And they're just like, I'm going to be hideous. I'm going to be hideous. She has, like, bandages on her face for the first half. Right. And when they take the bandages off, she's a stunner. She's beautiful. And uh, everybody else is hideous. But everybody's like, you're hideous. Um (laughs) But sometimes they buried the alligator allegory deeper than other times. It's like... It took. It takes like twenty minutes to get to that reveal, and the whole episode is just like, let's get to the right. reveal. And especially in that one, they have to shoot it in such a way that you can't see the faces of any of the, the doctors. Of, yeah, exactly. There's actually a great uh, SNL sketch. Uh, I think I think Pamela Anderson was the host of <laughs> SNL, or yeah, yeah, Pamela Anderson was the host, and it's this. Uh, that uh, I have the Beholder episode, and she's the beautiful lady, and they all have ugly faces, and they're like, oh, she's hideous, she's hideous. And then it's just Norm MacDonald being like, she's hot. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? You're crazy. <laughs> Which I thought was quite funny. That's, uh, they also did they did one where Bobby Moynihan was the monster on the wing of the plane in the, oh, I the Shatner I one. one. But I forget what was weird. Like, I forget how it was different from the Twilight Zone other than that. Bobby Moynihan was wore like it was just like a, a shot for a shot, but it was Bobby, <laughs> and he wore a shirt that said Bobby Moynihan on it. Right, right. I think that was right. the joke. It's a little inside, like a little weird, a little bit, yeah, self-referential, but yeah, it, it's what the ten to one is for. Um, it worked. Um, I, when we were watching this episode, I was thinking about like, do you know anybody, or are you prepared for the apocalypse? Because we just missed the apocalypse on December 21st. But there are, like, doomsday preppers. There are people. Yeah, like, yeah. I have a friend who has, like, a plan. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, really? Uh, like, what? what is, does he I have I think stuff? it's, like a, like, a place to meet family and, you know, going yeah. up to Connecticut or something and maybe a go kit or something like that. Right. I have none of that stuff. Yeah, neither do I. But I know a little bit about it because the show I work for, the BSFA with Brian Sack. Um, oh, yeah. They have uh, – isn't there a show – there's a well the that network for a while had a reality show about um like homesteaders or uh I I'm wasn't quite sure what their deal was but because it's a conservative kind of station all the advertisers are the, the a lot of the advertisers are like gold buyers uh, or yeah. and then also another thing that I didn't know about until I started working on this network was food insurance where you pay and it doesn't work like normal insurance from what I can tell it's just like a bomb proof box full of like Heat heat up rations. Wait, wait, wait. Why is it called insurance? Because you just put it in your basement and then you got it. But why wouldn't you just call it like ready food? Uh, I don't know. That's a good. That's a good point. I think people want to feel like they have insurance, right? But it's just how do you buy insurance against a nuclear attack? It's got to be a box full of a box full of cold food that <laughs> yeah. you can heat up. Well, there are those things where it's like 
I think my friend Rory had one of those where like he got it for like a <laughs> birthday gift or Christmas gift once. And it's like a bag of spaghetti and meatballs and like either you open it or you shake it or something and it like heats up automatically. Oh, really? Like do you have to add water? Sometimes you like, maybe it'll have turn to add into water a bowl or and you throw, pour water into the bag. And but I think it, it like heated up. Ooh. And, uh, well, that's food insurance for you. <laughs> hey, listen, it's not great, but it, you're, you got insurance. But, um, well, that's one of the things I liked about this episode, too, was that it, while I was watching it, like, I feel like, you know, most of the time the Twilight Zone was like, oh, we should be more nice to each other and bigots are bad and stuff. But there's, there's sort of a conservative side to this, too, where the one guy who had the shelter was kind of right. Like, he was, he was in the whole episode, like, kind of like moocher dudes who weren't prepared came and ruined his life for him. And so you could kind of read it the other way, too, of, of like, ugh, do your best, but a bunch of people are going to come ruin it for you. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's like fear everything right. is one of people the are monsters. People are monsters and live alone in the woods so nobody will come. Right, right, right. So Society basically is this, an anchor. this is basically, yeah, I think one of the lessons is like get out of away from people right all right and build a shelter for yourself and become ted kaczynski and then start mailing bombs i wish we knew more about the history of ted kaczynski vis-a-vis the twilight zone i i assume he's a a a fan big fan um yeah this show is great i like it a lot um this episode is definitely one of the most standout episodes there is, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it, like, because a lot of the other episodes that's, I, there's some episodes that are just very throwaway ones that seem like they're sort of like, um, like not as much thought or care. I mean, right, not, not right, that right. they're, listen, it's good TV. Oh, but it's, it's great like, TV. But like, I watched right. one where it was like, uh, like uh, an old man who lives in like, the country with his old wife and they call each other like old man and old woman. And then like he goes hunting with his dog and they dive, they're going coon hunting for raccoons and they dive in the water. And I guess they both die in the water and that's like it. And then they like, (laughs) he like goes to a place that's heaven and then the place won't let him in with his dog because heaven doesn't allow dogs. Is that for real? This is real. (laughs) And then at the end it's, He's like, no, I'm not going to heaven if I can't bring my old dog. And then they keep walking down the road, and a guy's like, I've been looking for you. Come to heaven. And he goes like, I thought that was heaven. And he's like, no, that was hell. Hell doesn't let <laughs> dogs. And it's like, what? Like, what? what? Yeah. Like, that compared to this? <laughs> yeah. Is... Sometimes, yeah, the one that I always think of as being the most pointless one ever is there's like a little circular room, and a guy wakes up in the room in a uh, an airline pilot's outfit. And also in the room is a ballerina, a clown, a soldier, and maybe somebody else. And and none of them can remember where they came from. And for the whole episode, none of them knows anything about what's going on. And they're like, why aren't we hungry? How, why are we here? And then it turns out that they're dolls. I was about to guess that. In a, that have been donated in a drum to like a Christmas thing. And you're like, that doesn't mean anything. Like that doesn't. <laughs> hey, it worked for Toy Story. <laughs> I guess so. That's true. It did. Inspired Toy Story. Speaking so. of stealing these things, there was a movie, Ruby Sparks, uh, that came out this year, which is about a writer who writes himself a girlfriend. He describes a woman and okay. he types into his thing, and then the she name. becomes like a like his sort of uh, inspiring girlfriend. And that is ripped right from another one that I really like, where um, a, a guy has a dictation machine, and he dictates women to cheat on his wife with. 
So okay. like his wife leaves in the morning and then he describes again, like, oh, another oh. wife hating. Oh, and the wife is a real and, and the twist is the wife comes home and what he does is before the wife comes home, the, the girl he cheats with, he takes the, the tape out of the dictation machine. And he throws it in the fire and that makes her not exist anymore. He sort of kills her. And then the wife finds out and she just lays into him and she's like, oh, you're awful. And so he goes into his desk drawer and he takes out the original tape, which, which is with which he made his wife. Ooh. And then he kills her. And then the twist is when Rod Sterling comes out at the end to be like, sometimes you shouldn't dictate how your wife should be. There, rather than the episode ending, the guy is still there and he's like, Rod, don't describe my own episode to me. And Rod Sterling's like, Why? And he has Rod Serling tape, that's and great. he like kills Rod Serling too, which is like so fun. Like, but that's great. That's <laughs> that's so awesome. The show is like you can do anything. Yeah, with it. they really like. I mean, I guess that's the upside of like the doll thing is they really didn't they didn't count anything as out of bounds. Yeah, including inventing Toy Story. <laughs> um, so when did you start watching the show? When you said that it was a yeah, New it was Year's. like in yeah, it was New Year's thing, probably uh, in like eighth grade, maybe eighth grade, early high school. And part of what I think is good about it is, although it seems kind of old fashioned now, it reminds me almost of this will sound insulting, but like young adult literature, mm-hmm. where the ideas are clear enough and it seems kind of subversive if you don't if like you know to a to a younger person, right? It's sort of mind blowing at the time, You're right, like right. whoa, all right. But you get you, you get, get some it. sex and drugs under your belt and you don't care anymore. But you're you're dulled to the world right. and you're like nothing. I need to hurt myself to feel. I live, I live in New York, man. Everything's weirder than the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, bro. You ever been to Chelsea? Uh, yeah, you ever watched Chelsea lately? <laughs> oh, man, mind-blowing. Twist ending. It's late at night, and you <laughs> fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, you're tired. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you started watching this in your, in your around eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was hard to see. Like, it was just that. It was just the marathon. Right. And so you would watch as many as you could, and then you would tape while you were asleep. And that was when you, that will really prove the varying quality. Cause you're like, oh man, I hope they show the ones I know. Like, I hope they show the one with the monster on the wing of the plane or whatever. And it was like, you'd start. And of course, the, at late at night, they were trying to burn off the ones where it's like, what if Shakespeare had to write advertising copy? <laughs> or, you know, or like, what if two astronauts uh, went onto an asteroid and then it turned out they were Adam and Eve or, you know, and all that stuff. So, um, but I just, it seemed. It seemed like unlike anything that was on. I actually, I think I remember that probably one of my first times really watching The Twilight Zone was at a friend's house for New Year's. It was like probably in seventh or eighth grade, and we just hung out in his basement and played like the WCW video game and then watched (laughs) uh, Twilight Zone for like a bunch of hours. So, yeah, I think there's something about that age that's very ripe for you're coming at your own, you're feeling those hair (laughs) sprouts. You, did you have a lot of sex while you were watching the Twilight? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's it's the only thing that really gets you going. You want to put on some black and white television? Yeah. It's about communism. Want, yeah, exactly. You want the Cold War to be <laughs> rampant through your, running through your veins while you're doing it. That's pretty much uh, how it gets done in my home. Yeah, I mean, and that's pretty much the the take on the Twilight Zone. If you read any of the literature, it's like. Porno for kids. Um, then there are a lot of spinoffs on Twilight Zone too. I mean, like, like, not spinoff, but like the Outer Limits. Yep. There's the Twilight Zone movie, and then they keep they keep trying to bring it back too. With uh, Forrest Whitaker, I think was the host of the latest what? one. Scientologist and, Forrest Whitaker. Oh, is that true? Yes. They're always adding more people. To the I list. mean, he was a main character in Battles uh, Battles uh, Battlefield Earth. Oh, you know what? Just while we're thinking about it, another thing that's reminded me. Oh, I was going to say it's a little bit like uh, Starship Troopers. 
this episode, which is like people of different political bents could right. watch it and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, where it's like... Um, Starship Troopers, great movie. Oh. No joke. Great. Amazing. Harold did the return of Neil Patrick Harris like I, 10 years before it happened. Yeah, that's true. He played the doctor. Yeah. Uh, Doogie? Think about it. Um, but what were we just... Oh, the... Uh, sp- wait, what was the spinoff with Forrest Whitaker like? Uh, well, I mean, it's it was like... Tales from the Crypt or something, you know, it it's it became like UPN TV and they could never really do it. And also it's just such a specific voice. You know, like the Twilight Zone is like Rod Serling and those like three or four people. And so uh it just was bad. It was like I don't know, it was like the bad episodes, but then Jamie Presley was the main character. I mean imagine So they got real hot real quick. Real it was like dolls coming to life a lot and stuff like that. Um are there are there any other shows that sort of like fit this category of I feel of like 60s showcase of weird story like it's very it's very unique it's not there, I don't feel like there's much yeah. well Rod Sterling came back and tried to do it again with Night Gallery okay I've, never, I've actually never seen any Night Gallery so it can't be that good so it probably sucks but like I think you know actually one of the reasons why it seems like that is because this was a throwback to an older type of television where mm-hmm. it was like just a play like right. a playhouse whatever where it'd be a different little dramatic story every time and this is the weird version of that and then it kind of went out of style Did, there were actually there were some episodes that were filmed with like studio tv cameras that yeah. looked very strange i was gonna say in the second season they wanted to cut down the budget so they made them shoot six or seven on sound stages and it's super weird i think a lot i keep trying to explain to people like in my family and nobody understands like how different it seems when something's on video than when it's on well, film. I when I saw The Hobbit 48 Frames, that's the only thing I could really relate it to is what those episodes of The Twilight Zone looked like. Right. And part of, and I think part of also the reason why it was weird is those episodes of The Twilight Zone wanted to look as much like real episodes as possible. So like when we think of like a th- like a three camera sitcom there's kind of like rules. It's become a thing where it's understood how that works. But to see a Twilight Zone where they're trying as hard as they can to film it in the same way, right? But it's on video is is really weird to look it's at. Also, it's like old video, so there's like a lot of like ghosting and weird. It's it really takes you out of it. There's a lot of when you say ghosting means there. There's a lot of ghosts. People turning into ghosts stuck into the TV. Right. <laughs> That's what I know ghosting to be. Right, and you're not wrong. And I'm not right. True. I'm ghosting. Think about that. Um, what's uh, you ever have a, a, a an experience where you're like, oh, this is sort of Twilight Zone? Um, I stayed in the hotel in Gettysburg where um, Abraham Lincoln finished writing the Gettysburg Address. Okay, and they spend a lot of time because you're in Gettysburg and they need like those uh, tourist dineros, <laughs> right? Uh, talking about pretending that you would see Abraham Lincoln in the hotel at night. What? And I don't. I give that zero credit but i think they just said it so much that one time during the night here's something i'll tell you because i was a psych major you wake up more times during the night than you realize because you aren't awake long enough to remember anything somebody was were you just telling me this i have one story yeah i know it's like uh, somebody just said this to me and it might have been you but that happened to me and i just i like looked up and i just imagined or half dreamed that abraham lincoln was sitting at the foot of my bed (laughs) and then i went back to sleep that's awesome. so in order for that to be like the twilight zone i would have had to have like turned out to be abraham lincoln yeah then you're like you wake up you're like four score and seven beers ago and you want to change history and no one would have liked the gettysburg address and right. the civil war never would have ended 
Um, yeah, I, the, all those ghosts, like, uh, I don't get that stuff. The ghost, I watched an episode of Ghost Adventures for this, and I remember I was in Savannah, Georgia, which has, like, a ghost history, right, too. Yeah. They do, like, ghost tours, and the, everybody, like, really has this experience, but yeah, come on. It's such a hard industry because it never pays off. Like, it never... You can you can all pretend to be scared for long enough, but no one's ever going to see a ghost. So how much money can you spend on that? Really? Yeah, I don't. I know it's like, but I guess this is that you got the best of both worlds because it's like we'll get them with the historical stuff, and for the people who don't give a shit about that, they'll have a the mini ghosts. nightmare. Yeah, um, yeah, that sounds like was. I mean, that sounds like that hotel would just be scary anyway. Yeah, it was a big sort of old creaky hotel. I mean, all that being said, I'd be freaked out if I stayed there. Oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm very scared of stuff yeah, in general. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever had quite a Twilight Zone experience, but I've been. I once woke up in the middle of the night and sat cross legged on the edge of my bed, and then I. Oh, I felt like if I fell, I could have died, and that was that was a, a scary moment. That's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, what's funny is both of the, your thing, especially, is scary because like it kind of doesn't make sense, or you know, it's hard to process. Yeah, and that's the way I feel about scary things in general. Is like scary movies don't bother me, but eerie, weird movies. Like The Shining, I find much more disturbing, or like a David Lynch movie bothers me a lot more right. than... Because The Twilight Zone, as weird as it is, it's also very mathematical. It's like, this guy wishes he was big, so he's going to regret wishing that, or whatever. Right. And so you know that you're in kind of like a logical universe, and that's why we like to talk about like a girl stuck in a wall, because that doesn't make any sense. Right. But whereas usually it's sort of like, oh, that guy got more than he bargained for. Yes. Um, so, so like, but that is true. I mean, that's why I like, like The Shining is great, and actually, there's a correlation between we watched, we did watch the end of the the what's his name, Mickey Mickey Rooney, Mickey Rooney episode, and his name is Grady, and yeah. Grady is the name of the the old caretaker. The old caretaker in The Shining. Yeah. But movies like that, and uh, and like Rosemary's Baby, that right. Phew, those those are the real deal. Right. Where things are going to be more open-ended and like you're going to see things that you don't know how to contextualize. Um, that part with Mickey Rooney was amazing to watch. I don't know how far into it we went, but there's he's a jockey who's like down on his luck. And what I had forgotten ahead of time that we only saw at the end is he starts being taunted by like a, a more well-to-do version of himself. Which makes no sense. Like in reflections, he sees like a dick version of him. Who's wearing like, a suit. You're too small. And he grants him one wish, and he wishes to be big, and then he becomes big, and then the reflection starts being like, you made a shitty wish. <laughs> well, the weird part about that to me was he said, you made a bad wish because you wanted to be taller. A good wish would have been to win the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby fairly, like fair and square. Yeah. But you can't make a wish to win something fair and square because that's not fair and square. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's like no matter what wish you make, you're making you're cheating. Yeah, you're being yeah, you're being underhanded. So come on, Rod Serling. Well, to cheer you up though, then they put Mickey Rooney in a tiny little four by four model hotel room and had him tear all the sconces off the wall. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend to everybody that they watch <laughs> the last five minutes of that because it is it's pretty pretty phenomenal. Um, Twilight Zone movie. Did you see it? Uh, I did. Yes, I did. But again, actually, and maybe this is good because it was, I saw it when I was too young to see it and I was just read. I haven't seen it since and I was just reading a synopsis of it and I remember being super weirded out by it. Yeah. Um, uh, because especially the beginning and the end where Dan Aykroyd is a demon. Yes. And 
nothing happens except at the end he says like you want to see something really scary and then he like turns around and his face is all screwed up and he eats you right he's a monster to an eight-year-old or a ten-year-old that is really really weird well i was just talking to my brother about it and i think i might have mentioned it once on an episode of this but there was a big uh Death on the yeah. on the uh, set of yeah. the Twilight Zone. Vic Morrow died, and like two illegal children <laughs> yeah. who were working. Or I don't know if it's two or three. I again didn't do any research, <laughs> didn't look it up or anything. Yeah, but my brother was telling me about it. That basically there's this like helicopter stunt, and they were using these like illegal actor children. I don't know. They were like being paid under the table. Exactly. Right? They it, it wasn't kosher, as it were, and. Uh, and the kids ended up dying on the set because the helicopter thing went all wrong. And this guy, uh, this other actor, Vic Morrow, Vic Morrow, I believe me too now. And, <laughs> uh, but my brother was saying like, if they had, you know, really gone through and done the children actors correctly or whatever, that this, they probably wouldn't allow the kids to be a part yeah. of it. Really I also, upset. and I was trying to think when I was reading about that, would a movie where that happened come out now? Like, I don't know, but I, like, didn't The Crow come out and didn't Brandon Lee like die on the set of The Crow? Yeah, I think he did. But I bet more deaths happen on movies than you know. Right, right. Than right. you are aware of. Right. Because there's mean, just so many people working and like so many people around. Those, some of those people are getting sick. Yeah, and The Hobbit, 80, people were injured and four real hobbits died. Of latex poisoning, <laughs> <laughs> but it has to happen. I mean, they're they're stunt artists. They, yeah. Some people must die. I guess you always see like this is dedicated to the memory of this person or that person. God, that's got to be so f- like Ugh. terrible. And then the movie lives on. And your family's like, oh, remember the abyss where our dad drowned? <laughs> yeah, that movie probably people died. I think somebody did die. That's uh, James Cameron, right? Yeah, I didn't see that. Good. Movie. Oh man, I would put it just just above or just below Terminator Two. Did you? Whoa, those them is fighting words because that Cause means the thing, Ed Harris is in it. Okay, and he plays like a badass oil rig worker. Essentially, it's pretty great. I'm gonna see it now because Terminator Two is one of my favorite movies. Interesting, first, first rated R movie I ever saw in the theater. So that probably has something to do with it. We hit that at a good age to be completely blown away by that. movie. That was and the the effects still hold up. Yeah. I think again, there's only also probably <laughs> although. There's an ending to the movie that they cut that James Cameron originally did. Have you seen with the, old old makeup Linda Hamilton? Yeah, God, he in is the future? a nightmare. Did you read yeah, that movie? He, is plenty long as it is. Like, the, oh yeah, it's like it's way long. And then there was a happy ending. It was like, come on. Yeah, but you've seen. I mean, you, did you? I feel like you might have told me about this, but the New Yorker profile of yeah, James yeah. Cameron is unbelievable. Oh, man. Amazing. It's like a must read. If you're a movie fan, if, if, and if you like, like, I hate most of James Cameron's recent movies. Like, I did not like Avatar, you know, Titanic's Titanic, whatever. But he is such a douchebag. It is so unbelievable. And, like, he, and he knows and he talks about it and he just has decided to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a part where he basically has a fire truck. That because he lives on what's that area where like a lot of fires come? Oh yeah, in like Southern California, outside Los Angeles, he lives in like a fire prone area. Yeah. So while everybody else is you know going to their shelters and having the fights from uh, this <laughs> right. episode and calling their immigrant friends, you know, 
racial, you know, bad words. He has a fire truck on his driveway that's filled with like the spray foam, I guess, that yeah. you like is safe. And he's just spraying stuff with a fire truck and just watching the fire. Right. And as a part of this, the the article, he's like, I'm not one of these guys who takes off when there's firefighters or when there's a fire over the hill. I take the, the water from the pool. I fill up the old fire oh. truck and I watch that flames come over the horizon. You're like, oh, God, just shut up. Just shut up. Shut the hell up. <laughs> And he was married. He was married to Linda Hamilton. I didn't know that until I read that article. And he was also, and then he, and either then or previous to that, he was married to the producer of all those movies, Gail Ann Hurd. Ooh, did not know that. Have you heard the uh, (laughs) the story from? I mean, this is probably a fake story, but from uh, uh, the set of Terminator Two that. I mean, oh, there's definitely truth in it because obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger has had sex with many women outside of marriage, including his maid who he had a child with. Mm-hmm. But uh, that somebody broke into or came into his trailer and he was um, he was. Oh, wait, this is James Cameron? No, no, this, this, is, Arnold this is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Two assholes. They're two different assholes. <laughs> and no wonder they keep working together. And uh, and he is going down on a, on a lady. At least he does that while he's while he's having illicit sex with you. At least he at least, <laughs> at least he treats you right. And uh, and he turns around and he goes to eat is not to cheat. <laughs> Probably one percent of truth in that, but it is an incredible story. Oh man, only a guy with an imperfect grasp of English makes that a good story. But it, oh, yes, <laughs> but he is. I mean, now we're going to Arnold realm. We'll be on this for twenty minutes, but. He's. Have you watched the the what? the director's commentary for uh, Conan the Barbarian? No, it's him and the director. Um, oh man, I yeah, forget yeah, his the, name. The guy, the Red Dawn guy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. forget his name. But he doesn't remember. He's. I assume they're either drinking or he's like stoned or something. But he's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember this. Oh yes, I punched a camel in the scene. <laughs> And like he's just saying what's – like it's as if you you ask somebody to watch this movie and say like as stuff is happening, like what's like happening. Narrated. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. I don't remember this. We had we had hot – oh, yeah. She was vicious when we had sex in this scene. It's just like, this is like he's so far into making movies that he doesn't understand what would be fun to tell someone else about making a movie. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know. I'd show up and punch and have I, sex. I punch. I have sex. He is unreal. He is the best Arnold quote ever is from. Did you ever watch? I, know, I, I feel like you're not even engaged in conversations. It's just I'm glad that like, I'm here for this to happen. It's just me. There's nothing to do with Twilight Zone. It's just going off. But uh, what's the movie called? Pumping Iron. Did yeah, you ever yeah. see that? Yeah. Where he's like, like, well, the perfect pump is like coming. So how happy am I? I'm coming at home. I'm coming at work. I'm always coming. It's like you are the grossest human being in the world. It's like he hasn't had to have a normal day of life ever, ever, ever. 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 He is so disgusting and horrible, <laughs> and I love him. He was like, he was actually in, I just saw the movie The Long Goodbye for the first time. It's a Robert Altman movie with Elliot Gould. Oh, and yeah. And yeah, Arnold yeah. Uh, plays a thug in it. 
in uh, Uncredited Thug. It's oh, his really? second movie appearance ever after Hercules. You know what? I This will make me sound like a non-film buff, so don't get the wrong idea. Sure. But I started watching that, and I didn't finish it. Oh, you I should, get you should watch the whole thing. I, I just watched it for the first time because it just got added to yeah. Netflix Instant. Oh, God. We're talking about how it's good days for Netflix Instant these days. I, do you, don't you think so? Yeah, I think so. For but, a while there, the new releases was pretty sparse. I know. Now, what did they recently put that you've been into? They just uh, put The West Wing for me is what I've... I've been watching a little bit of The West Wing. They just added uh, Mike Birbigley's movie. Yes, I just watched that. Um, they added... They just signed a deal with Disney. So they started to add like legit Disney movies, not like Pocahontas 7. Um, which is a, which is one of the top five Pocahontas yeah, movies. Yeah, I mean, once they get to the future, it sort of has new life. Um <laughs> but um, uh, I'm trying to think of like what I've. I want. I sort of want to see Tintin, but I don't really care. That's you know what the... I did? I have a, a 17 month old at home. Yes, and I put on Tintin under the guise of having him watch it, and I watched it. And it's of those movies that are those motion capture movies. It's the first one where you watch it and you're not horrified by the characters. Like it, you, right. it's, it's like watching a movie, and it's very Spielbergy. People said that it's kind of like an Indiana Jones movie. Mm. And it kind of is. Oh well, maybe I'll check it out. Maybe check it out. Probably not. If you're watching with a 17 month old, skip to the parts where there's a dog on the screen. (laughs) What is it like watching a TV and or a movie with a child that young? Uh, It's tough because for for better, I think he doesn't watch much TV. So when he does, he kind of doesn't care that much. Uh It's hard to keep him focused on it, which is good. Like I'd rather that than him zone out. Um, But he's super into animals. My son's name's Keaton, and Keaton loves dogs or anything like that. So uh, Tintin has a little white dog, and literally, if I I could not be looking at the screen and just looking at Keaton, and I would be able to tell you how big the dog is in the frame based <laughs> on like how wrapped uh, Keaton was like staring at the screen. Have you guys thought about getting a dog or an animal? We have. Well, yeah. I mean, we have. That to. would basically explode his mind. Yeah, it's in the mix now. I'm way down on mam- mammalian pets because uh-huh. I'm allergic. Oh, well, and that's also, a big like, thing. I'm kind of like self-involved. Like I don't, I'm like, I, I'm cleaning up poop and what do I get from it? Right. It's kind of nothing. Yeah. With, at least with a kid, like he'll take care of you and you're right. Yeah. Eventually I'll be able to like, he'll have to wheel me around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I, that's definitely in our future. Are there really hypoallergenic dogs? I always feel like that's like, if you show up at someone's house and you're allergic to dogs, that's the only thing they can say to try and smooth it over. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, doubt it i mean they're they're ones that shed less but can you really be i mean i mean it's a living thing with organs and hair like it's basically a dog maybe they exist in the twilight zone but probably not probably not they probably and if and if they do exist in the twilight zone it's because someone wished uh for dog for a plastic dog and what they got was hypoallergenic dogs and then they learned their lesson um Something I used to do, and I don't do that often on this podcast, is I try to come up with a drinking game based on the podcast. So, what uh, based on the show that we watch? Sorry. Oh, interesting. So, what would be maybe for the episode we watched, and then for the overall series, what would be like good things to drink to drink on? Um, well, in this episode, in the episode of the shelter, I think anytime someone doesn't realize they're being an asshole, okay, like anytime anyone sometimes they're he's they're banging down some other guy's door to steal his goods. And they're self-righteous about it. Yes. Um, I think anytime uh, someone's wife uh, is cruel <laughs> on their behalf, I, it happens again in the second half of the episode, too. They're down in front of the basement. 
And I forget what she says, but they turn to someone's wife. And that's another thing I was going to say is once things go south in this episode, everyone gets hit in like super close up. Yeah, like, well, they're really good at that. And there's some tilted shots and stuff. That, yeah. That, or Dutch is what we call it. It's a Dutch angle. Um, I'd also say anytime there's a racist uh, comment. <laughs> right. Um, and then anytime uh, the immigrant guy uh, gets really shit on, but just he just like takes on the chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also maybe say um, uh, anytime a child, someone's kid who doesn't have any lines, does something weird. Yeah, like eating cake. That was the weirdest shot of the episode. Is <laughs> they're standing around arguing about who should be allowed to pillage the guy's shelter, and the kids are kind of not that into the conversation. They just start eating cake. They start eating the birthday cake from the first scene. Maybe that's what does that mean? They, they wanted know. their cake and to eat it too. Well, hello. Um, I'd say, and then what about overall uh, Twilight Zones? I'd say anytime Rod Sterling is smoking, he yeah. wasn't in this episode. He wasn't in this episode, but he usually does. I'd say every time you notice that he has, I, there's something interesting to me about it that he's wearing a suit, he has a watch on one wrist, and then he has like a silver or gold bracelet on another. I just yeah. feel like that's not something you often see on TV. <laughs> right. Is a man wearing a silver or gold bracelet. Especially for him, who was kind of like a black suit, buttoned up, like skinny tie, yes. kind of like. Let me just smoke and get out of here and be real cool. He was like, well, I got some rocks, too. I'd love to see interviews with him. Have you? They're great. They're, and he was um, he was from upstate New York. And, oh, I'm blanking on the school now. But he, he taught and wrote at a place there. And he had a long, he lived a long time after the Twilight Zone. So on YouTube, there are great interviews with him talking about his career and talking about television. And he's, like, super tan. I just think of him as, like, the coolest yeah, t- TV cool guy. Dude. Like. He got his weird TV show up, and he put himself on it, and then everybody loved it, and then he just could do whatever he wanted. Wow. And then they made a Disney ride, too. That's my favorite theme park attraction in the world. Is it still around? Oh, yeah. There's more and more all the time. The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. You are the person that I know that is the most into Disney of anybody I've ever met, in fact. Thank you. Um, What has changed with the Twilight Zone? You said the Twilight Zone is always changing? Uh, the rides? The ride. Well, they just keep building new ones. The, that are Twilight was, Zone oriented? Just It's like the same ride essentially over and over again. Okay. It's like a haunted hotel in the, the late 30s in the Hollywood Hills that gets struck by lightning and the elevator disappears. Oh, yes. I think I, I've been in that. And then you have to take the service elevator and the same thing happens. You end up in the Twilight Zone. <sighs> and what happens when you're in there? Uh, different things. You see apparitions of the people who got lightning disappeared. Uh, and then, um, uh, it's different in different places because in Florida there's enough ground space for the elevator to stop going up and down and to start going sideways, which is cool. So in the Florida version, you spend a certain amount of time actually in the twilight zone where it looks like you're going up an elevator shaft, but you're actually going sideways. And then they're like the giant eyeball from the credits right. like, looks at you and things. And then it's just like basically like an elevator ride like you'd see at a Six Flags where you drop really fast. How many times have you been to Disney World and Disneyland? Uh, I've been to Disneyland once. I've been to Disney World more than 25 times. Why is Disney World? I mean, obviously, it's across the country, so it's much harder to get to. Is that the reason only once? Uh, yeah, or are you not yeah, basically. Uh, it's just smaller. It's like a one-day thing. Disney World has a bunch of different theme parks and hotels and stuff. It's more of a vacation destination. <laughs> if you had, if somebody had only four hours in Disney, Disney, which one's the one in Disney World? Disney World is the big one. If they only had four hours, what are the must-go to? Oh, jeez. Well, here's the thing. Oh man. And no lines. Don't worry about lines. Yeah, lines are not an issue. Well, here's the thing. 
the they have good classic rides, and then they also have good sort of modern thrill attractions. So I, oh man, I think you gotta go. If you got four hours, you gotta go to the Magic Kingdom. You gotta give up on the the Twilight Zone Tower Terror. You gotta give up on the good roller coasters. You gotta go to the Haunted Mansion. You gotta go to Pirates of the Caribbean, the old classics, uh, like the dark rides that'll never be replicated. Where it's like cool old school stuff. I remember the Pirates of the Caribbean. That's a classic, and they're singing "Yo Ho Ho" in a bottle of rum, yep, yep. and then you go down. It goes down. It's like that a log flume. Yep, yep, yep. That is memorable. I probably went there when I was a little kid. I, re- I still remember that. Well, and especially like we keep saying, like these things hit you at the right time, and like I, I did that stuff when I was a kid, and it blows your mind. And that stuff has echoed long enough so that it's still really important to me. What if your What if Keaton, your son, have wait? He's been to. It's sad to say he has been once already. <laughs> He's 17 months old. He's already gone, but for your benefit, not for his. But obviously, he was a real drag on the ticket, I got to say. <laughs> what if he's not into it? I mean, yeah. l- what what happens? Well, we're comfortable going without him. Uh, <laughs> and almost, you know, I got to say, it, part of me hopes that he's not into it because I want him to be able to achieve things that I didn't. Ooh. Like, I don't want him to be a little Matt Fisher robot. Hopefully he'll get to an age where he can turn around and say like, "I like I I reject you." A like bit. seriously, stop taking me. Yeah, like seriously, like Dad, why are, why is this a fixation for you? There's really a problem. <laughs> that, yeah, why did you, you you propose to Mom at Disney World? That's not right. That shouldn't be woven into our history like that. It is part of my being, and I wish it wasn't. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, I hope he so becomes the real man. Twilight Zone. Is my family. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thank you so much, Matt, for uh, stopping by. Oh, my pleasure. For watching some Twilight Zone and going down the rabbit hole of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Wait, oh, and the quick, what's the quick twist ending of the podcast? Is it's a radio. Oh, it kind of is. It's a television show. <laughs> You've been watching us. Ooh, here it is. We never existed. This is all in your mind. I'm your brain. In the twilight zone, because you be on your own, because you're in the twilight zone. (laughs) 